Welcome everyone and thank you all for being here today. At this time, I present our Master of Ceremonies of this event to you. She's a powerhouse and a friend of mine who's dear to my heart. Welcome Melanie Ake. She's the founder of Everyday Leaders Professional Coaching and Consulting, a certified John Maxwell Team Leadership Coach, speaker and trainer, and as a certified Y Institute agent, she helps others discover their why. Melanie Ake, and I'll turn it back over to you. Thank you so much, Gigi. Yes, the Global Virtual Panel of Fertility Survivors event. This is amazing. Sunday, April the 18th through the 24th kicks off the National Infertility Awareness Week. This week is the week to raise our voices, talk about the issues facing this community, and make sure we continue to support those most in need. Now, anyone can be challenged that have a family, uh, to matter, no matter what race, religion, sexuality, or economic status you are, infertility does not discriminate. Together, we can change the conversation, and it begins with being part of the national movement. So remember, National Infertility Awareness Week begins this Sunday, April the 18th. Gigi Sabat, Regeline Gigi Sabat is our host today for this event, the motivational keynote speaker, two times best-selling author, life coach, first-generation Haitian-American, and the host of Walk With Me podcast and JRQ-TV. She's a financial expert and the CEO and founder of Life Service Center of America, LLC. And she has put on multiple events this year to bring awareness to so many causes. So Gigi, we appreciate you today and we're excited to kick off this event. Now, for our keynote speaker, Erin Baer. Oh my goodness. Love that she is the keynote speaker for this. She is an author, a speaker, a coach, and her book, From Beaten to Badass, it was released in October of 2019. Erin's life's purpose is to confront the elephants in the room and give women strength. By inspiring and motivating, Erin teaches them to leverage all of what, what life throws at them on their way to bring out the powerful women they truly are showing them they are not defined by their circumstances and they are a badass. Welcome, Erin, thank you so much for doing this role today. Thank you so much for having me today, Gigi and Melanie for being an amazing MC and Lakeisha for doing all the stuff in the background. I mean, you guys are truly badass women, my badass sisters. So my journey of infertility actually started way back in the day before I even knew it. I grew up thinking I didn't want children. I was going to marry a, a man if I found one who could love me and we were gonna just dual income with no kids. We were gonna dink it. Well, then I met my husband and I was like, oh, this man is amazing. He's my honey bear. I could totally see ourselves having a family one day. I was a bodybuilder for eight years. And once I decided to retire in 2016, I was like, hey, let's go ahead and have some fun. Let's get pregnant. And we should be able to start a family with no issues. You know, infertility was not on my mind. And I thought I'd get pregnant right away as kind of like a little haha to my husband, you know, and he was hoping it would take at least six months. And six months turned into a year, a year turned into 18 months. And I was like, what? I mean, I'm healthy. We're not that old. I mean, we're in our mid thirties, but we're not that old. So infertility was really introduced to me when I couldn't figure out what was going on. I didn't know that I, I didn't think I had any underlying conditions. I was healthy. My husband was healthy. We worked out. We kept 
ourselves, you know, with good foods, we didn't do drugs, you know, none of that. So when infertility was introduced to me, I just didn't understand it. So I really want to define what infertility is. And the easiest way for me to define that for those that are listening today is that it's those that are trying to conceive a child and are struggling to do so naturally. That is the easiest way I can explain what infertility is. It hits you like a truck when it happens. So my husband and I, we went to some specialists and we thought maybe it was his fault. You know, we, I mean, I hate saying his fault, but we thought maybe it was, you know, his swimmers and it turned out not to be his swimmers. He came back. He's like, I got super sperm. And I'm like, oh no. So the problem must be me. And as a woman, knowing that that is one of our sole purposes on this world is to produce a child or an heir for our significant other, or our husband, we feel like a failure. We are hit like a ton of bricks and we just start to blame ourselves. Like, what did I do wrong? Did I not eat the right foods? Did I work out too much? What is it that I did that causes me to not be able to have a child? And in all reality, having a child and getting pregnant is a miracle in itself. The body is taught to um, arm itself against any invaders, sperm included. So I really had to start setting myself up to understand that it wasn't my fault. And we just needed to kind of like dive into what my infertility was all about. And we did every test imaginable. It was painful. It was heart-wrenching. It was just, it, it was hard. And I just didn't know how to deal with it. And the doctors really never gave me the tools that I needed to deal with this elephant in the room. I was devastated. I was like, I just want to have a baby and I can't do that. Am I even enough for my husband? Is he going to, is he going to still love me if I can't produce a child for him? And he stuck by my side. And when all the test results came in and all of the stuff, we were told we had unexplained infertility. I wanted a reason so bad for why I couldn't produce a child, why I couldn't get pregnant naturally. What was the problem? So in 2018, we decided to produce, you know, go for an IUI and we got pregnant and I was ecstatic. And two days before we were to go in to hear the heartbeat, I started bleeding and I just knew that I was losing the child and the blame set in and the shame set in and the hurt and the heartbreak. And I remember just curling up in a chair with my cat and looking out the window, like, what did I do wrong? Why am I bleeding? So we go into the appointment. I get undressed. I tell her, I believe I'm losing the child. And she does the ultrasound and she goes, I am so sorry. And I knew right then and there I had lost the child. The problem is the child wasn't in my womb. It was an ectopic pregnancy and they had to terminate it or I could die. So not only was I losing a child that I wanted so desperately, I had to terminate it with a drug because I could die and the child wasn't viable anyway. So I had one child that I had to say goodbye to and let go into heaven. So we, we healed and I was just, I just wanted to get back on the train and I wanted to get pregnant again without realizing that postpartum depression was setting in and I had no idea. So fast forward to 2019, I write my book and I'm on top of the world and I'm just so excited about this. And December, 27, December 8th comes along and I have another emergency. I'm rushed to the hospital, had no idea I was pregnant. I was told I was pregnant. I was losing the baby. I was going to die. And natural conception and IUI were no longer an option. And I was rushed into life-saving emergency surgery. And my tube was removed. The pregnancy was removed. So I not only had to say hello and goodbye to a baby that I never knew I was going to have, 
and then I had to understand that my limit of ever having a child was going to be IVF. So fast forward, I'm struggling all of this. I'm healing from the surgery. And I finally am told that I'm suffering postpartum depression. So what I really want to dial in today is that your story matters and you should not suffer in silence. The best advice I can give you is that you need to share your story. Do not let others shame you. I'm one in four. I'm one in eight. And there's others like that. The best thing you need to do is seek therapy. Get the help that you need. Don't try to go at it alone. The second thing you need to do is trust your doctors. I ended up switching fertility clinics because I was treated as a number rather than a patient, rather, as a, rather than a human at my first clinic. So I switched. Thirdly, surround yourself with a support system that really loves you and cares for you and educate that support system that they need to know what to say and what not to say. And most of the time, they don't need to say anything. They can't fix it. Infertility is a dance. We have to learn to dance. And sometimes we're leading, sometimes we're following, and sometimes science and God is in charge overall, period. So the things that I need you to understand for those that don't understand infertility is things not to say. If you want a kid, just go get a kid. It's not that easy. If it was, I'd have a baby in my arms. Secondly, just go have fun in the bedroom. It'll happen. No, because I naturally cannot conceive and we can never have sex without protection or I could die if the sperm gets into my tube or whatever. So don't say that either. And thirdly, don't say, I just know you're gonna get your kid. I know it's gonna happen for you because you can't promise that. We are fighting an invisible monster in the arena. We are bloodied, we are scarred and we are heartbroken and we are doing everything we can to bring love and happiness together to have hope, which is the color orange, which represents infertility. So please just be there and don't try to fix it. Thank you so much for listening to my story. Really appreciate it. If you wanna reach out, reach out to me. Thank you, Gigi, Melanie, and Lakeisha. Thank you, Erin. Thank you, Erin. Yes, the color orange, right? Reminding us to have compassion for others around us. Sometimes we want to say something and sometimes it's the wrong thing to say. So education is key. Let's get educated today and know how we can help other survivors that are really trying their best to just get through life on the things that they really desire and they want for their heart. So here we go. Hashtag wear orange. This campaign is Wednesday, April the 21st. Why orange? Because this promotes a sense of wellness, emotional energy, and compassion, passion, and warmth. This helps to recover from disappointments, a wounded heart, or a blow to one's pride. Studies show that orange can create heightened sense of activity, increase social socialization, who doesn't need that right now, right? Boost in aspiration, contentment, assurance, confidence, and understanding. Now, Resolve.org is the organization that uses orange to raise awareness, increase activity around an important movement, and remind our community every day that Resolve is there for them during disappointments while educating and promoting physical and emotional wellness. Remember, hashtag WearOrange is the campaign and the infertility community year-round. Our next speaker today, very excited that you're here, Alyssa White. Um, this is a wonderful time to have you here. And I wanted to introduce you. You're the founder and president and chief empowerment officer of Fulfillment Empowerment Network, LLC. 
As a coach, motivational speaker, and trainer, Alyssa is passionate about seeing individuals living authentically in their purpose. She tells us it is her personal mission to help individuals overcome self-limiting beliefs to improve their relationships, discover their purpose, and lead a life of fulfillment. Alyssa's professional career has summed over 22 years as a passionate educator, government nonprofit business leader, operations manager, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. She states her own tutoring center. She started her own tutoring center at the age of 17, launched several businesses, and helped many individuals and institutions with startups. She became a certified speaker, coach, and trainer with the John Maxwell team. And she's been on fire helping individuals transform their lives and career. Alyssa White is the founder and president, again, of Chief Empowerment Officer and Fulfillment Empowerment Network, LLC. Welcome, Alyssa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for this amazing space you have created through this unfolding and knowing it's, it's nice to share the stage with you, I would say, finally. <laughs> um, I am so blessed to be here, and as um, thank you for leading all, all my accolades here, and all, so much we can talk about, but at the moment, it's, it's my time to speak about something that not a lot of um, individuals are sure of. They might question, and, you know, I've kept very personal and private, waiting for this moment, literally, because I believe there's a time to be quiet, and then there's a time. And so today I'm going to share a little bit about my experience as an individual and now I call myself a driver. <laughs> and um, earlier this week, our keynote speaker, Aaron, said that infertility, once you're on in that path and in that journey becomes a part of your life, it's a dance. And so even as we speak today, I am still doing the dance. So nothing I know is perfect, nothing I know is the end all be all, but I'm going to share my journey. Um, I, I would say I got married very young to my ex-husband who we dated for five years. I was 22 and nine. And um, at age 27, I was still didn't have a child. We had built our first, we call it dream home and created had enough rooms, four bedrooms and two bathrooms and a, a room for a little boy or girl and we had that space set up nice and ready to go and so we're like okay god <laughs> when is uh this is not happening so we decided to go to the doctors um and i had already growing up i had struggles with having menstrual cycle and you know i spend lots of time every month literally going home early when i had my menstrual and it was just such a challenge um physically with that so when we went to the doctors, um, they said they're going to do all the testing as far as going in and do an exploratory surgery to find out what's going on there because everything looks good on the outside, very healthy. And so I would never forget that that July uh, in 27, uh, 2007, when I woke up and the doctor was come in to say, oh, you've got a lot of scar tissue everywhere. And it, 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 it's virtually impossible for you to conceive in your own mind to find out if they're going to see how the brain is working in the world. And um, with the faith and belief I had, I was like, come on, what is that? I'm not going to do that. God's going to heal me. Um, but 
things spent, my health was just going downhill because I was having still having these uh, very heavy menstruals and stuff. So we went back. Um, it took us about six years. We had saved all this money and come up with the money to do IVF. And so you think once you get the money, you've got the thing, right? You can go buy the thing. <laughs> but fertility is not something that you can buy. Um, I sat and many people would come up to me and my ex at the time and say, why are you guys going to have kids? Baby. And then I've had people who were close to say, oh, you're not praying enough. You need to drown your stomach with oil. Let your husband, you know, put his hand there. I mean, you, I mean, Aaron spoke a little bit earlier this week about how many wild things people say to us who are going through the phase. And there's so many different reasons. And Aaron touched some of those earlier on of what, what infertility looks like for different people. There's no one way, there's no one reason. Sometimes some of us have multiple reasons. However, I went through that process of um, vitro fertilization, very grueling one, very excruciating because I had so many shots, so many this back and forth. I had a great team of doctors, a lot of support from my close-knit family. And after almost an entire year of treatment, I got pregnant. Hey, right? <laughs> and uh, that, that, that pregnancy did not last. Well, I'm sitting there, and this is about five, about seven years ago. And two months later, I was there. So I now ask God, what on earth? Are you doing with me? I don't. I don't. I don't get this. See, infertility, for me, it comes into your life, or it's there, and you don't even know it's there. So I asked one of my greatest reasons for coming on your prophet, sitting before all of these. We need more awareness because a lot of young women don't know. I say, people, we. Check, we go every year, we get our mammograms, we get all that, but a lot of times doctors don't even talk to you about checking your kids. And it's just one simple check. They can take blood work. For some of us, it's, it's taking another step of blood work to find out whether or not, what our ovary production level is at. As a young woman, also for me, that one of my deals in fertility, that was one of the things that I was dealing with. I started to lose my fertility, uh, my ovary, very early at a rapid speed, I guess, or maybe I was poor enough, they couldn't explain to me, just like they couldn't explain why I had miscarriage. But if you can just take that test and know what your levels are, if you're choosing to get a career or whatever you're doing, I did never try to stop. I got married at 22 and I was ready to bring kids in the world. So, I, you know, I've heard women say, well, maybe it's because I, I did it at the version, or maybe it's because I take too many whatever the reason is you're still in this situation and the one thing this is why i have my platform i talk about purpose because when we look at the lives of others i've had a few people have called me up and said well your sister has a baby when are you gonna get one <laughs> it's it, you won't know until you you have a child you can't you won't know that that's things mothers and parents know and you have to deal with all those Mother's Day come around in the church and they're honoring all the mothers and you're a woman of age and you you don't get a flower, you don't get a rose. <laughs> and all those times are just penetrating moments. If you don't know who you are and why you are here on this earth, life, whether it's infertility or not, but 
particularly on this issue, will take you down a road where you'll literally, you know, we've had a lot of panels here, survive, uh, survival, people who survived abuse, persons who've gone through depression, suicide. Well, <laughs> you put fertility on the stand. <laughs> we literally go through all those array of um, experiences because you, you're like, well, if I'm not going to be a mother, I was raised in a society where the crowning achievement is to be a mother and a wife. And no matter how, I remember as a little girl, I was like, I can get an education, buy my own house, can buy my own car. I'm not going to worry about getting a husband. And if God has me, maybe I'll adopt children. I love children. I'm going to adopt them. But I have them because I wanted to be something that these women were not. I wanted to be empowered. And then I fell in love with my husband and wanted more than anything to bring children to the world. So once I got there, it's that, that pain, that ache, that longing, and then the disappointment. Oh, my God. So I have to get my mindset right. I have to say, God, I am not the roles I play. I'm not the mother. I'm not the wife. I'm not the this. But then who am I and why am I here? And so as my journey prolongs and continues with dealing with fertility and what, it, what that looks like for me, sorry, my ear fell out, with having children, it's not because I've worked on my mindset, because I've allowed myself to discover purpose, it is not anymore at the center of my life. For so many years, everything I did revolved around becoming a mother. And all that time, I was given so many opportunities for thousands and thousands of children, youth to come in my life and give them guidance and love and care. And now I have a beautiful 10-year-old niece and a seven-year-old nephew who, if you didn't know what to tell you, if they were mine. And so I'm so satisfied in that, not that I don't love children, not that I don't hurt sometimes, but because I know that I'm here to bring and help others discover their purpose and lead a life that is fulfilling for them. I encourage you, I wanna look straight in the camera. If you're a woman, a man, it's dealing with infertility. Remember who you are and why you were created. I'm not telling you to give up, quit, or do anything different. Keep going to what your heart truly desires, but know when to let go. See, sometimes as humans, our biggest tragedy, I believe, is when we want things to be a certain way and when we're not willing to let go. And that's what I had to learn to do, was let go and let God completely guide and lead me along the path of my life, whether it's about fertility, relationship or not. So let go today and trust the process of your own life story and know that any given time you can rewrite that. You can rewrite your story and you can experience joy even when the heart is still a little bit troubled. You can find fulfillment and meaning because someone is waiting to hear your story and there's something that you were created and born to do. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Alyssa. Thank you, Alyssa. Oh, my goodness. Taking the cultural labels off. I love that story. It's so true. How many times do we say, well, I should do this because everyone else says I should. And so you make some wrong decisions sometimes based on um, how that feels. So uh, I love, love your story. And I so appreciate you speaking into us about our own purpose and values. So thank you so much for being on the panel today. So let's talk about technologies. 
I like to give some statistics and some technology um, about infertility here. So egg freezing technology, some of our panelists may be discussing this. There have been rapid advances in technology since the first pregnancy reported using a thawed egg in 1986. In the past, egg freezing used a slow freezing process, which sometimes damaged the eggs by allowing ice crystals to form, which then could potentially affect the integrity of the egg. Current technology vitrification freezes the egg rapidly. It's flash freezing. It prevents the development of the ice crystals. So frozen eggs can be kept in a cryo storage tank and some freezers can store over 30,000 frozen embryos, eggs, and sperm samples at a time. Amazing, right? Technology continues to advance. So our next panelist, Christy Lynn David. Christy has worked in the higher education fundraising sector for the last 15 years, specializing in database, scholarship, and project management, constituent and relationship management, research, training, and education. Christy says the most rewarding part of her job is awarding scholarships to deserving students. Outside of her, her full-time career, Christy is an entrepreneur, and for the last 14-plus years, she's educated and entertained women about the importance of self-care, sexual health through in-home parties, showcasing spa, healthy living, and marital aids as an independent consultant for Pure Romance. She values the personal growth as she has experienced meeting thousands of women through her business that have learned the importance of being educated about their bodies and relationships. Thank you so much, Christy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, everyone. I do want to thank the organizers of this event, Gigi, Melanie, Lakeisha, and the sponsors also for their dedication to spreading awareness about infertility. I'm so humbled that I've been asked to speak on such uh, an amazing panel of these men and women who've shared similar experiences through their journey. Uh, my experience with infertility began about a year after marrying my husband and we bought the house, you know, first comes love, first comes marriage, then comes the baby. Uh, and we wanted to focus on building our family. So a year after that came and went and we were unable, unsuccessful to conceive. So we went to the OBGYN and it was hurtful because I saw a lot of my friends, uh, you know, getting married and getting pregnant right away. And even women who weren't trying to get pregnant, uh, I was seeing that, you know, throughout the course of a couple of years. And like many, our diagnosis was unexplained infertility. And after multiple tests, uh, three or four rounds of Clomid treatments, four rounds of IUIs, we decided to consult with an infertility specialist. And we ended up uh, being treated by about three different doctors and consulted about two more and still no results, no underlying reason why we couldn't conceive. His sperm was fine. I was healthy. We were both healthy. And I'm a researcher and I'd, I'd been looking into doctors who performed different treatments that were out of the ordinary because no other doctors could provide me what I needed, the support, the answers that I was craving as to why I couldn't have a child. 
I took supplements. I went to acupuncturists, practiced yoga, even lost weight, and nothing came of it. And I came upon a doctor that was a few hours away from my home. And he just seemed like he was our last hope. And I remember sitting in that consultation room thinking, he's going to help us. And this was at the point where we went to our second IVF cycle. And sure enough, my first cycle with him, I yielded the results we'd hoped for. And those last four years of going through this pain and this, this just knowing that we couldn't do anything about it. It wasn't on our time. It was on God's time as, as the last speaker was talking about. It just was so hurtful. But after I was in that consultation room and that doctor told me, you're pregnant for the first time, I just remember tears streaming down my face. And not only was I pregnant, but I was expecting twins. It was truly a blessing. And today I am a mom of five-year-old twins, my little boy and my little girl, Savannah and Elijah are their names. And every day I thank God for the doctors, the nurses, the treatments, the technology uh, that was able to give my husband and myself our dream family and our dream of becoming a mom and a dad. And recalling how difficult this process was and the fact that infertility isn't discussed widely, it made it a priority for me to be open about my journey. And this led me to meet a lot of other women struggling and who needed a support system. And that's when I decided to become a life coach uh, with a focus on helping women through their struggles of infertility, struggles of becoming a mom and getting there and helping them to move past those limiting beliefs face through this whole process. And after going through these struggles, I now believe that God put me here on this earth to talk to you. The very reason I'm here is to give you hope. Um, and just like the others, uh, listening to their stories. And I'm here to tell you, don't give up. Keep trying. Do your research and don't settle for just one doctor's opinion. Um, as I said earlier, I I went through about six or seven doctors before I got the answers that I was looking for. See a therapist. They are amazing, especially ones who specialize in helping women who are trying to conceive. Talk to support groups. Surround yourself with uplifting women. Look on Facebook for support groups as well. I wish that I had known when I was going through my journey that there were groups that I could join where we were all talking about similar struggles and be as open as possible um, with others, even with your family, because I was not open. I was embarrassed and afraid and ashamed. Um, and if you know someone who was going through this, things not to say, don't tell them to relax. Don't tell them to just go have fun. Um, be encouraging. Be an ear to listen or a shoulder to cry on. And, and don't be discouraging. Don't ask whose fault it is. And ladies, gentlemen, if you need someone to help you through this struggle, please feel free to reach out to me and I'll be happy to be your cheerleader and your support system in any way I can through this journey. 
Thank you for listening. May God bless each and every one of you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Christy. Thank you, Christy, so much. Right. I think your takeaway is get the education that you need. Don't rely on just how you feel. Uh, there are always support systems out there. So thank you so much for that. You mentioned in vitro fertilization. So I wanted to cover that real quickly for some people that may not know what that is. In vitro fertilization, it's a very effective form of assisted reproductive technology. It was designed in the early 1980s and has been continuously refined and made over more effective throughout the years. And more than 5 million babies have been born now through the IVF system worldwide. So thank you for sharing your story through that, uh, Christy. Our next panelist here is Diane Alusada. She's a high school special education teacher from Washington, D.C. She's been combating infertility in the form of PCOS and blocked tubes since January 2015. She's used her infertility journey to share and connect with others openly as a means to bring awareness to those outside of the infertility community and to bring support to those within it. By sharing her story, she wants to let women going through their own infertility journeys know that they are not alone and that there is hope and one day becoming the mama you knew you were destined to be. So thank you so much for joining us today, Diane. You're on mute. Oops. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me today, giving me the opportunity to share my story. I think it's wonderful that we have a panel or a platform like this to where women um, who are going through this, not just women, but people going through infertility are able to share openly about what they're going through. Um, in January, my husband and I, we got married in uh, June 2013. And we realized that nothing was happening a couple of months after, like a year and a half after marriage, nothing had happened. And um, my husband said, you know, I think we need to get checked out um, because there's no baby yet. And I told him that if he could find um, an infertility clinic that could take our insurance that I would happily go. I think one of the things that made me so skeptical is because when we hear infertility, IVF, frozen embryo transfers, when we hear anything like that, we hear we know that insurance doesn't cover it. That's a lot of money. I can't afford it. And so that's one thing that really deterred me. But he found a place that took my that took our insurance and I went and I was told that I had a very high egg reserve and so that things should be okay. Um, so we went ahead and we did an IUI and it failed. Um, shortly after we did do another one and it too failed. And so then I did something uh, called HSG, which was um, when they check your tubes. And it turns out that my tubes were blocked. Um, we found out that my tubes were blocked in uh, 2016. So actually we had a total of seven failed IUIs, um, which was, you know, you go in with high hopes each and every time, like this time will be different and it, it never changed. Um, so in 2016, I found out that I had blocked tubes. And so by this time I also had a different job and this job did cover 
in vitro fertilization. And so, well, IVF, and I knew, I said, all I need to do is get pregnant. Once I get pregnant, that's it. I'll have the baby. And so I knew that now that we had the opportunity to do IVF, that this baby would come. So in 2017 of February, we did our first cycle of IVF and nothing happened. No pregnant, no positive pregnancy test um, at all. And we got that call saying, we're sorry, we're so sorry, but you know, you did, you're not pregnant. And so we took a break because this was a lot to continuously have high hopes to continuously do it because with IVF, there's a lot of shots involved, um, a lot of hormones that I'm, you know, hormone levels up and down. It was a lot. So I, um, we took a break and we started again in June of 2017. And this time when we did IVF, because our previous cycle didn't have any viable embryos to freeze. So this time what we did was something called ICSI. And it's when they take one sperm and insert it into the egg. So the first time it was done the conventional way and the, um, the, the egg, the, the bond between the egg and the sperm was not good. So we did ICSI and then with ICSI, we were able to have seven embryos. And um, we, we did, we transferred one in and I did get pregnant. I saw my first pregnancy, uh, my first pregnancy test in August of 2017. Um, and I was so happy, so elated. This was just amazing. This was it. This was all that I needed. And then 23 weeks into the pregnancy, I start feeling contractions. And I ended up having a preterm birth. He was born at 23 weeks, five days. Um, so we rushed to the NICU. All of this is new to me. And unfortunately, nine days later, he did pass away. Um, it was a lot, uh, a lot of emotion. I, I, it wasn't fair. I was angry. It, it's just, I felt like I did everything right. So fast forward. I'm going through my grieving process, switch jobs, no longer have insurance coverage. However, we did freeze six good embryos. So I was able to, we did a frozen embryo transfer in 2019 of June, exactly 18 months later after my son was born and I got pregnant again and we were very excited, but very cautious. And so one thing that I hoped for was that I didn't carry in fear um, because I wanted the opportunity to enjoy this pregnancy. Um, of course, it was very difficult to do. However, I was fortunate enough to have a baby, but this one, what I did go into preterm labor again, this time at 26 weeks, um, she spent 108 days in the NICU and was able to come home just a week after her original due date on March 18th, 2020. And so she's now over a year old, thriving and everything. My husband and I, we do plan on using some more embryos to, to bring in a sibling. Um, right now, a frozen embryo transfer is really our only option um, because I still do have block tubes. Um, but I do want to encourage anyone going through infertility of any kind that to know that you are not alone and that it is very important that you do 
share your story. Through sharing my story, I've built so many friendships. I've even had the opportunity to meet someone who was in my infertility community on Instagram. Um, and she knew me. She said, oh, wait, I know you. Wait, you, I follow you on Instagram. And it was the coolest experience that I've, you know, and it was very uplifting because that was at a low time. But to know that even through my lowest moment, you know, as a, well, as a mother, right? Because I'm in the NICU with my daughter, not knowing what's going to happen. Um, you know, I was still able to reach someone and my story was still affecting other people. And that I realized that people are watching. And so when people see how you're experiencing um, infertility and how you're still pressing forward, it does give others hope. People are watching us. People are looking to see what it is that they are able to grasp from your journey. Um, please share, it's so important um, because because there are many others that are going through it. And it is easy to feel ashamed and feel like what you were meant to do as a woman, be a mother, it does make you feel like you're, you may be less of a woman. But knowing that there's others going through it with you gives you hope and it gives each of us peace and comfort. And I just thank you for the opportunity to share this piece of my story. Thank you, Diane. Thank you so much, Diane. That was so inspiring. And remembering that we all have this within us. We just need to follow our own journey. So, so important. We appreciate you so much. Um, amazing women that have been sharing on this panel today of, of just finding your own inner peace, right? We all have a different journey. And so being very intentional about what's important to you and finding that. I wanted to share a little bit about an organization here in the United States. It's called Eggs Specting, E-G-G-S-P-E-C-T-I-N-G -G -G Incorporated. It's a full service egg donation and reproductive tourism agency that works with intended parents and egg donors, both domestically and internationally. They provide services to couples and individuals looking to start or grow a family. They take pride in the personal level and care and commitment given to the clients and the egg donors. They understand that it's an extremely intimate experience and therefore the attention to details and confidentiality are with the most up regard for your privacy. This again is Eggspecting, E-G-G-S-P-E-C-T-I-N-G, -E Incorporated. I'd like to introduce our next panelist here. Um, so glad that you are joining us today. Dr. Apong Nwako, board certified in internal medicine and a fellow of the American College of Physicians, is an honorary distinction awarded by the national organization that represents internists. She received a Bachelor of Surgery and Bachelor of Medicine degree from the University of Abaddon in June 1987. After completing her residency in internal medicine, she served as the chief resident at the Mahari Medical College. Dr. Nwanko is the founder of the Internal Medicine Associates and is a healthcare advocate with special interest in obesity. She devotes herself to giving compassionate healthcare to her patients who love her because of the personal health challenges she herself has faced. So you see she's a breast cancer survivor and she's also dealt with infertility and is passionate about healthy living and fitness. 
She's also an associate professor of medicine and adjunct faculty where she teaches Mahari students in her clinic. In her spare time, she serves her local community, providing education and awareness on healthy lifestyles. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Gigi. Thank you, Melanie. And thank you to all the panel panelists and everyone who has shared their story. My heart goes out to every person who is dealing with infertility because it's a lonely journey. And you feel like you're the only one traveling in it when you're on that road. Um, in 1987, I got in, um, engaged and um, we were to get married and I was excited because the wedding was fixed for December 16, 1989. And I was feverishly putting all the wedding plans together, excited. And we walked down the aisle in the presence of our family and friends. I was ecstatic, I was elated. And so marriage, you know, we entered into marriage and uh, it was just fun. It was like a fairy tale. And then a few months into the marriage, it was like, hmm, I should be missing my period by now. And month after month, I would get a pregnancy test and my hopes were being dashed. And just short of a year into our marriage, I felt like we should get some infertility evaluation. And so we went to the doctor's office and it felt like our privacy was being evaded with the questions, the examinations, and the, the testings, of course and still no answers, no baby in sight. And then depression started setting in. I was, because I'm a very strong-willed person and, and whenever I want something, I go for it and I, 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 I achieve it and I move on. And this was like, it was like a stumbling block. Then my husband said, maybe we should go to the United States because then I lived in Nigeria and uh, America has the technology. Once we get there, everything will be fine. And we arrived in the United States with $3,000. To us, that was a lot of money. And we went to see a fertility doctor. And quickly, quickly, we realized that it's going to be expensive and we couldn't afford it. And so we sat down and planned, us, OK, you are a doctor. Why don't you try to be a doctor here? you know, then you can get a job and we can pay for the care here. And so all along I had been focusing my efforts on having a baby. I wasn't focusing on my career. I, all I wanted to do, have a baby first then I can do other things next. And so now doing the residency, I was kind of like half-heartedly doing it because I wanted to get some money and go back to getting a treatment. And so as a, a resident physician, I was able to, with a stipend, get a credit card. And so we started the IVF cycles, you know. And we had two failed IVF cycles and we were in debt by close to $30,000 that we still had to pay. And at this point, after being like the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible, going from one doctor to the other, I told my husband, I'm fed up. I don't, I don't want to see any more doctors. And yes, I know I'm one. <laughs> I'm not gonna see any more doctor, uh, doctors. And I felt like if God can do it for us, then I don't think anyone can. And this was about 
30 something years ago. Um, I'm, I'm not, uh, I haven't done the calculation, but this was 30 something years ago. And IVF was, you know, we did IVF with ICSI, it should have worked, but for some unknown reason it didn't work. So we, we now turned our faith towards stay, staying on God's word and just believing. And one beautiful morning, and I'll call that a beautiful morning, I was just messing around with the pregnancy test. And you can't believe what I saw. Two lines showed up. Oh my God. Oh my God. I could not believe it. A pregnancy test was finally positive. Wow. And 21 years ago, a beautiful daughter was birthed into our life. We were so overjoyed. We were so glad. Looking back, and I know that this is probably not the outcome for every lady. But I had developed a lot of negative thinking. I was like, why did this happen to me? Why did I have to go through that? And you, as you've heard, why did I um, have to have breast cancer? And that negative thinking, I think really stopped me um, from being who I should be. And um, during the COVID last year, I met a beautiful mindset coach who worked with me and uh, to begin to see that with the, each problem that I, I can look at, you know, just shift my mind a little bit from being negative regarding the problem and open up, and that my mind will be opened up to opportunities. And I said to myself, so, uh, you know, it was like I'm asking God, what could be the good that will come out of infertility or breast cancer? And now I know. Now I know the reason that I can share my story with someone. The same thing I do with breast cancer, I share with my patients and I know what they've been through because I've been down that road. So I am, you know, I, I just wanna put my arms around every person that is suffering at this time. Um, you know, you will feel the pain. I know you will feel the pain because I felt it, but I had to set a limit. I, you have to, everybody has to come to that point where they set a limit, I've had enough or I will keep trying or whatever it is. And I pray that everyone today will find their path and find peace, whatever the outcome that would be. So thank you so much. I wish that I heard this over 30 years ago and I would have been thriving. I would have been a better person, but it's not too late. At the age of 57, I can start telling my story, which I am doing that now, knowing that in sharing my story, it might resonate with one person. If just this uh, story affects one person, then I think it's worth it. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much because it's a lonely road that is, you know, no one wants to travel, but unfortunately some are traveling on this path. And it's my prayer that everybody will receive peace and a solution. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Nwanko. Thank you so much. How encouraging, right? Never give up hope for what your journey is. Again, this message of just consistency and believing in your journey is your journey. Um, and congratulations to you for being a survivor of breast cancer. Amazing, amazing strength that you have. Remember, as we started this program, if you've just joined us, Sunday is the day that begins National Infertility Awareness Week. You see, April 18th through the 24th is the week. So let's use this week to raise our voices and talk about the issues facing this community. 
and make sure we can continue to support those in need. And remember, hashtag wear orange is what we need to do as we post things to remember uh, everyone in this community. So our next panelist, Lori Baird, Spiritual Health Mental Wellness Guide. She meets you where you are in your journey. Together, she removes limiting beliefs to assist you with the lifestyle changes that you're ready to make. It's time sunshine.com. It's time sunshine.com is her website. So she's a co-creator and a co-creating impact podcast, removing the social media mask, sharing everyday hero stories in just 15 minutes and the tools that have helped them in the times of stress. So co-creatingimpact.net. We're excited to have you here, Lori. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share my journey with infertility. I've appreciated everybody's story. It's heartwarming to hear everyone's story. And I started this journey many years ago. Uh, we tried for 11 years to get pregnant. And it was a difficult, long journey. And I, you hear all the good sayers. You know, everybody wants good intentions when they say the things that they say. But um, it still hurts down deep. And my journey started really when I went to an integrated, integrative OBGYN. I went to a nutritionist. I saw acupuncturists. I saw chiropractors. I did my workouts that weren't too strenuous. I found out what foods worked for my body. And I just focused on me, self-care and self-love. I did massages. I did what I took, whatever it took to get my body straight because it wasn't straight for a very long time in my teenage years and my 20s. Um, so once I started on that journey and that path, I thought, okay, my, my doctor, I had an ectopic pregnancy. I had miscarriages. My doctor finally said, look, your body is where it needs to be. You're absorbing the nutrients. You're doing all the right things. You need to relax. How many times have we heard this? She says, take a vacation. And I'm like, really? You're telling me to take it? So anyway, long story short, um, there was an unfortunate death in the family. And so we had to um, fly across the country and uh, stay there. And when you're in that situation, obviously there is no stress. Um, and I have to say that uh, right after that happened, um, I found out I was pregnant and I knew that um, that person that had passed was pulling some strings to help us along. Now, this story isn't um, one probably that resonates with a lot of people. We didn't try the IF, IVF solution. Um, we didn't try all the different difficult things that a lot of people go through. It's so hard on our, our bodies. Uh, the things that women go through with their bodies, is, it's very difficult. But for me, this is what worked. And when I became pregnant, I was in shock. Uh, I was 41 and finally pregnant. And I thought this is gonna take, we had just taken one full year to become foster parents to adopt. We just signed on the dotted line. And I thought, okay, if I keep this child, uh, perhaps we can go down that path, but let's put that on pause. And we did, and I ended up being on bed rest because of my age and other complications. And I did everything I could to keep this baby inside. And we had, had a, a healthy baby boy and we're so incredibly blessed with that child. And I just, I know how difficult it is for people and my path isn't 
you know, sometimes we have things that are going on within our body that doing all the healthy stuff for our bodies may not work. We might need that doctor intervention. But for me, this is what worked. I was told at a young age, I couldn't get pregnant, but I thought, oh, my aunt was told she couldn't get pregnant. She had two kids. So, you know, it's completely different for everyone. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure how long I am on my time, but um, I really want to appreciate this, this panel, everybody on it. And, and thank you so much for allowing me to uh, share my journey. Much love. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Right. It comes back down to don't let anyone else define what your destination will be. So congratulations to you and what a great success story. Nicole is our next panelist here. And before I wanted to introduce her, I want to remind you that infertility can feel isolating. Right. So many of our panelists have talked about that. The National Infertility Awareness Week is next week, and it's a reminder that no one is alone on their journey. Knowing that infertility is common and treatable can also give hope to those facing struggles because infertility affects one in every eight couples. Nicole Bringelson is our next panelist. She's a stay-at-home mom, dog mom, and infertility warrior and advocate. Her husband is a cancer survivor, so they knew that starting their family would be different than most. After trying to start a family of their own for a while, Nicole was diagnosed with this PCOS that we've heard about before. After the diagnosis, Nicole began to really research and investigate the ingredients, the products that she used in her life every day, realizing that just how many toxic and harmful ingredients were in the everyday products that she used. And she decided to make a switch to safer, more natural products. Nicole and her husband, were blessed to have the chance to go through in, in vitro fertilization and their son was born in 2018. So being able to be a stay-at-home mom with her son was something she dreamt about but never thought it would become a reality until it actually did. Welcome Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. I feel so honored to be a part of this uh, group of panelists. Um, like you mentioned, um, our, our story is a little bit different than, than some here. Uh, we knew that we were going to have issues um, getting pregnant. We hoped and we prayed, um, but in the back of our minds, we knew that it could be harder for us to get pregnant because of my husband's uh, cancer history. He was diagnosed with a very, very aggressive form of testicular cancer at the age of 19. Um, and it was so advanced that the doctors didn't even give him a percentage to live. Um, so the fact that he is still around today is an absolute miracle. Um, but so we got married in October of 2015. And we knew, like I said, ahead of time, we knew that it could be difficult, but we're like, Hey, let's, we're going to do this. We're still going to try. And so we tried for about a year, about a year before, uh, seeking any additional treatment. Um, and I was told, I had originally gone to uh, just a 
regular OBGYN and was told that I was borderline PCOS, but if I ate better and lost weight, that we'd be able to get pregnant naturally. In the back of my head, I was, I wasn't really, I didn't really believe that, but whatever. Um, so after that didn't work, we eventually went to go see a fertility specialist and, um, it was a little kind of crazy, uh, nine years to the day of my husband's cancer diagnosis, I was diagnosed officially with PCOS. Um, and we were told at that appointment that, uh, basically between my husband's history and my medical history, that it would be a miracle from God if I were to get pregnant naturally and that our only option to have biological children of our own would be to go through IVF. Um, and we had prepared ourselves for that, but I went through a period of time after that appointment just in a state of guilt and because I'm like, hey, it's, we knew that it was going to be difficult, but I wasn't prepared to hear that diagnosis from myself saying, okay, it's actually both of us that we're having issues with. And that, that took a while to get through and, and to go to finally come to a period of acceptance and understanding, okay, like this, it is what it is. And I just have to let go and let God. Um, and so we started going through the IVF process, um, during the egg retrieval, I got hyperstimulated. So that was not a fun experience. Um, I ended up with fluid in my lungs, in my abdomen. Um, and so we had to push back our initial transfers. Um, the first transfer that we did, did end up doing didn't work. Um, but fortunately the second transfer did. And, uh, like, like she said, I, we have a two and a half year old boy who I am convinced is going to be the next Fred Rogers um, in this world. <laughs> um, but through that whole process, um, I really was learning and researching a lot about what chemicals and what ingredients are in the products that we use. And even though we already had our son. Um, I just, I, I just became obsessed and I was introduced to, uh, Norwex and they offer alternative, uh, cleaning solutions than the, uh, products that are out on the, uh, 
out in stores today, basically. And I just, I, I, I was a stay at home mom and I, but I kind of didn't necessarily feel like I had a purpose. And when that opportunity popped into my lap, it, it just set my heart on fire because I'm like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is everything that I've gone through and my family has gone through has led me to this point. And I, my purpose is to help others, to help educate others about the different things that we put on our bodies and put into our bodies. And if my knowledge and education can help someone else um, from not having to go through what we went through, then that just makes my heart complete. Um, I know that like for us, a diet change wouldn't have worked, um, but for some people uh, it, it does. And so I just, I wanna help educate others to, so that they know and understand a little bit more about the different things that we use in and around our bodies that uh, can have an effect and can have an effect on our reproductive health as well. Um, and so that is my mission now is to educate as many people as possible and help especially uh, families or couples that are going through infertility like we have um, and really help them through because it's, it's a rough road. It's a very, very rough road. Um, so yeah, that I thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this amazing panel. I feel so, so honored. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you so much, Nicole. What a warrior and a survivor just to remember to tell people, right? You can make an impact everything that you do, make those choices that will add value to your life. And congratulations to you and best of luck to you and your husband. Thank you. So we've mentioned PCOS a couple of times. It's polycystic ovary syndrome, and it's this disorder involving infrequent, irregular, or prolonged menstrual periods and often excess male hormone or androgen levels. So the ovaries develop numerous small collections of fluid, those are follicles, and they may fail to regularly release eggs. Our next panelist here is Dr. Katasha Kendrick. I'm so excited to hear your story. Known to your patients is Dr. Katasha. You're a board-certified clinical pharmacy specialist in ambulatory care. You're a health and wellness coach who was inspired to share your personal health journey in order to encourage others. You're also an infertility survivor and advocate. Your hope that by telling your story of infertility, you can provide hope to others that are going through the very storm by relaying a triumphant message of peace on the other side. You hope to encourage others, and we're so excited that you're here today. You say by pulling this pain out of the shadows, 
and making this conversation no longer taboo. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I know that I am one of many faces of infertility, but don't be ashamed of your story. Your story will inspire others. My husband and I, we had a journey of infertility and it was a long journey. I remember in my darkest days, I cried, cried and cried. And my struggles began in my early 20s, dealing with fibroids. And at the age of 26, I had a myomectomy, which is the removal of the fibroids. And no one told me that fibroids grow back. 10 years later, at the age of 36, my fibroids were back and I was suffering. So I decided to have another myomectomy. And I'm married at the time and we're trying to get pregnant. But two years later, the fibroids were back with a vengeance. And I had endometriosis as well. I was having blood transfusions due to the fibroids. I was a severe anemic. I had iron infusions. And with all that, at the age of 38, I had a hysterectomy, never been pregnant, and I was devastated. My dreams of having a baby disappeared. I was confused, sad, broken, and to be honest, I was mad at God. Anyone ever been mad at God? I was. If you went through any type of pain in your life, there's a possibility that you were. But through all of that, God reminded me through all of that, I can birth anything through any aspect in my life. But it took some time and God, I learned some lessons along the way. And I wanna share those today. My creator taught me lesson number one, and it's easy, keep the faith. Is that simple. I was broken to my core. My husband and I, we cried together. We hurt together. We had all these emotions and we were on this emotional roller coaster together. But God taught me to have the faith. And God is the source of my strength. And I needed that strength because there was days I didn't eat. There was days I didn't even sleep. And to be honest, there are some days I didn't even shower because it was hard going through that, knowing that I wasn't going to be able to have a baby the way I thought I was going to have a baby. I even stopped going to church because I was that mad at God. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me one Saturday night and said, go to church tomorrow. I went to church and guess what? God is so funny. That Sunday, Reverend Tamla gave, she spoke at church that Sunday and she talked about her infertility journey and how she overcame it. God was speaking to me right through her. And she talked about starting a support group, a ministry called The Waiting Room at the church. And I joined. And I must tell you guys, that saved my life. 
my husband and I both went to this support group and it was awesome. And I still attend to this day. And through all of that, God was teaching me to keep the faith. Just listen to that little voice. You'll hear it. Lesson two, God has no limits. Trust me. However, I needed to accept the facts. I was in denial, but God wanted me to just believe and know that I was going through all of this, but I can birth possibilities. Even though I wasn't able to have a child of my own, I could birth a business, a book, better health and wellness, whatever it is, whatever God decided to assign to me, it was all possible through him. And honestly, I knew that by telling my story today and any day, it can make a difference in someone's life. And my last lesson, the reason why I'm here today, and I thank Gigi for that, is to tell my story, tell the truth, my truth. Now, I must be honest, I was ashamed of my story. People will ask, when are you gonna have children? I'm pretty sure we had those questions. And a lot of you guys can relate to that. I was embarrassed. Again, how many people embarrassed? I was embarrassed because I wasn't equipped to give my husband the children. It However, today I'm here talking to you and speaking to you. I'm speaking through my scars now and not my open wound. I'm at peace in the situation. And I learned all this through these lessons that the Lord taught me. And I know by telling my story, it can change someone's life. I wasn't on this journey alone. I had the Lord, of course. My husband, my mom, we learned, and I especially learned that even though I do not have a child, I can birth, birth possibilities. And that's the best part. And I'm smiling because I'm on the other side right now. I was broken into pieces, but now I'm at peace and I'm smiling because God is so good and he is awesome because I know that standing on the other side, it takes some time to get there, but you will get there. Please reach out to me if you have any questions, but remember it's a journey, but there is happiness on the other side of it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So much. I love those notes here. Listen to the God nudges. Keep the faith. Believe in the possibilities that your life was designed for purpose. Thank you. Very, very powerful. Appreciate you being here today. So 10% of men and women face infertility challenges based on some of these factors. Multiple factors um, for men and women. It's 28% of the population. Male factors for infertility are about 19%. Diminished egg reserve, 12%. Ovulation dysfunction, 7%. And either tubal or uterine problems, another 28%. So there's a wide spectrum of why something may occur. And, right, we've all heard today the design of this is to know what your specific situation is, and to get resources to understand more. 
Our next panelist today is Nikki Johnson. She's an infertility survivor, the host of Power of Positive podcast, wellness coach, substitute paraeducator, and program coordinator for Teammates Mentoring Program. She's a busy woman, but she's full of joy, and she's here to share with us today. Welcome, Nikki. Hi. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Um, first, I just need to take a moment to um, honor, acknowledge and honor all of our speakers today um, and just the strength that it takes to share our story. And honestly, hearing uh, the speakers who have gone before me, I have started to sort of waver in the um, the importance of my story. You know, we, we um, tend to think that our story maybe doesn't matter as much or isn't as important um, enough. So if you are an infertility survivor listening to this broadcast, um, I just encourage you to take ownership of your story and to realize that your story is important. Um, as you can see from all the different speakers, we are all so very different in our stories and um, each individually have uh, are, are a really powerful story. Um, my story starts many, many years ago um, because growing up, all I ever wanted to be was a mom. I remember my third grade teacher asking us, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And I said, I wanna be a mom. And um, actually my teacher said, well, that's great, sweetie, but what else do you wanna be? Um, and so it is just evidence of me just fully wanting to be a mom as long as I could remember. Um, so I um, got married at a young age. Um, I was 19 and my husband was 20. And so we did um, wait a few years uh, before we started to um, try to conceive. And being so young, um, when I first felt like maybe we needed um, some medical intervention, just going to my family doctor, he said, you guys are so young, you know, just wait it out. It's, it's sure to happen type of a thing. And so we did wait and nothing happened. <laughs> and so after a year of um, the old take your temperature in the morning, um, right when you wake up, if anybody can relate to that, that was nearly 20 years ago now. Um, and still nothing happening, we decided to go to a fertility specialist. And the first um, you know, couple months, I'm sure, are like many stories of going through Clomid and IUIs. And um, after about eight months, we decided to switch doctors and um, just weren't, didn't feel comfortable with that doctor. And so we um, switched doctors and right away I could just I just felt a shift in, um, in, in how things were going. And we just really related more to this doctor. And like other um, speakers have said, you really need to advocate for yourself and um, make sure that you're educating yourself. Um, again, being so young and so many years ago, I really wasn't great at that. <laughs> and I know so much has changed since then. So I would really uh, you know, recommend doing your research and, and um, learning what you can. Um, so we did finally um, have uh, start the IVF treatment and um, so incredibly um, excited and nervous that first time. And unfortunately it didn't work. And um, this was really um, sort of the start of me 
acknowledging and taking control of my thoughts and just how um, effective and how powerful your um, negative or positive thinking can be um, and affecting your life. And this was really the start of that because um, my our second time around for IVF, um, I had a different mental mind space and um, fortunately it did work. And so we were able to, after five years of trying, um, conceive and um, our daughter will be 14 in two months. Um, so incredibly, um, inc incredible blessing. Um, but like I said, that really was the start of my um, shift in my mindset of the power of positive um, thinking, which has led me to uh, most recently start my podcast and also just um, a plethora of other, other uh, effects of positive thinking. Um, but I would just um, also share that Oftentimes, I've learned anyway, that we think that once our baby is born or once we conceive that our, our, you know, our journey is complete. But um, being so many years into this, I've found that our journey really never ends. And it was approximately two years ago that we had to make the tough decision of what to do with our leftover um, frozen embryos. And again, as many people have shared the expenses that go into um, infertility treatments. And so that point all these years later was again, just it was reliving all those emotions of sadness and anger and confusion about why we had to go through this journey. And so um, just, just know that your story is powerful. And while maybe you aren't at a place currently to share about it, um, perhaps like me on the other side, you are able to um, share and what an encouragement you can be to someone else. Because again, we all have unique stories and um, someone may relate to you and you may be able to pa pass on hope to someone else um, by sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thanks for taking so much time out of your busy schedule. We know that uh, it's so great to hear your story and congratulations on your daughter and um, keep the journey, right? It is a warrior. We are all sharing stories of courage. And so we appreciate you sharing today. Thank you. For more information, you can go to the American Society for Reproductive Medicine. We've heard so many people talk about their journeys today. So that website is www.asrm.org. And now it's time to hear from our next panelist, Dr. Tanya Gold. She's a board certified family and holistic medicine physician and has been in practice for over 20 years. She's the proud owner of Dr. Gold's Optimal Living Institute, AKA, D. Jolie. <laughs> she <laughs> the whole person getting her kids well long term. We're so excited that you're here from one of the last panels. I just want to smile when you're when you're on screen. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Amazing, me. Melanie. <laughs> thank you so much. Can you all hear me? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Gigi, for having me. She's um, an angel in my life, and I'm glad we still are remaining good friends and stuff. We've been through a lot of stuff, and she's. Thank you for 
let me be part of this. This is actually the first time I'm sharing this story. So it's, and I don't know how it's all gonna come out, but thank you for listening. And I do wanna thank um, Melanie and Lakeisha and all the people for sharing their heartfelt stories. Cause I've actually heard from my, many of my patients these things and to actually experience it is definitely, you do feel alone and isolated cause you don't hear about it, you know in this kind of forum. So thank you all for having the courage to come forward with that. So um, Gigi knows this story, but I have, I come actually from a very prolific family. I have 15 brothers and sisters and getting pregnant, my dad could just think about it and we had another child. And so with my sisters, my siblings, almost everybody who wants to get pregnant, again, has that amazing, get, get married, get, you know, have children. And um, our, my, we had a sibling reunion and all of them were, you know, with their children and stuff. So I'm kind of on the sidelines right now. But I came, um, when I was younger, I actually did get pregnant and had an abortion when I was young. And I, this was a time when I was dating, a, and I was in an abusive relationship and I was actually ready to begin medical school. So it was just not the right time. And you know, I felt like I have a family history of just getting pregnant so easily, so it won't be a problem for me. So I get married. Um, initially, my husband and I were talking about how, because of our big families, he has a big one too, it's so many children in the world. I was in an environmental module. So we actually decided not to have kids initially. We just didn't want to. So I was heavily on birth control because I was like, oh, I don't want kids. I don't want kids. And then I guess my got in my 40s <clears throat> and my hormones kicked in. And I was like, I want a child. And of course, you see your sister getting pregnant again and other stuff and just, you know, holding a baby. And I just, my whole heart um, changed and I just wasn't able to get pregnant. We were not using, um, birth control or anything and nothing was happening. And I, I am all about holistic medicine and I do also believe in God. So I just did a lot of prayer. I didn't go for IVF. I didn't, I saw some, so many of my friends and patients go through the changes and the injections and the mental anguish of possibly happening that. And then just hearing these stories, it was just heart wrenching. I was like, if it's meant to be, it's going to happen natural. That's how I felt. And then other options, there's, you know, adoption or something else out there for me. So fast forward, I'm almost 50 now. <laughs> and um, I actually did get pregnant um, when I was 45. And I was excited. Um, I didn't tell anybody because I knew, you know, the first three months, um, my sister was actually pregnant at the same time. And um, actually at her, um, when she was having the her party for the, the new baby, and she was due like in just a few weeks, I actually had a miscarriage um, that day and it was just, I didn't even, I, no one knew I was even pregnant, but I just was like started to cry and everything. Cause I, before that I was thinking, oh my, I'll tell Marissa soon. And then our kids will be playing together. And I just had all these plans and it didn't happen. And I just was like, you know, I was mad with God and I was like, why is this happening to me? So and then I was like, forget it. I'm just not going to have kids. And I talked to my sister because she even said, you know what, if you really want to, you can keep trying and, you know, get some help with this, too. So um, now being almost um, 49, I'm going to be 49. I spoke to my husband and I said, you know, honey, do you want to have kids? So finally, 
he's actually saying yes. For the longest, he was not even sure. And now we even talked about possibly adoption because honestly, you know, and they don't, they, you know, when you're young, everyone's like, oh, you have so much time, you have so much time. And then you like fast forward. And it's like, when you're 30, you think of how many eggs. And I thank you for mentioning that expectancy, but honestly, check your hormones, ladies, have your daughters check their hormones. So they make sure that their progesterone is up and then also store your, let your eggs if you're planning to have a career. Because, you know, by the time you know it, it's 30s, 40s, and it comes by so quickly. And, you know, everyone's like, you got to get pregnant, you got to get pregnant. But I was in medical school, I was in residency, it was hard. So right now where I'm at is I do want a child. Um, I am looking at adoption as a possibility if I don't get pregnant in the next few years. I actually have met patients in their 50s. I'm pretty healthy. So it is a possibility. I just have to have a lot of sex. So that's not a bad thing. <laughs> but um, the other stuff is just working um, on my mental state. I'm at peace with where I'm at right now. I understand that it's in God's hands. And yes, I can get hormones. But with my family history of breast cancer and so many other things, I and I don't like needles and just I feel like if it's going to happen naturally, that's fine. But if not, there's so many children that need a home. So I'm okay with adopting and keeping, you know, I have family members who are adopted and, you know, they really do consider their adopted parents as their parents. So I'm okay with doing that if that's what God wants for me. If he wants me to have another, have a child and, or get pregnant and contain it, I'm on hormones now. So hopefully that should help, but I'm doing everything naturally as best as I can to keep myself healthy and mentally stable. Cause I realize stress can definitely play a huge role. Um, the stories definitely were riveting for me and really help me understand that we're all in different places, but know that you're not alone. And yes, your story does matter. You're so important in life and to bring joy into your life always, to always smile and realize all the gifts that you do have because your life really is a quality of what you focus on. And I've been focusing on the God's gifts and I've been a big brother, big sister now um, for many years and just watching my littles grow up. I feel part of that and also being part of all my nephews and nieces is lives. I feel like I'm, you know, their auntie and it's like my children and all my patients. I've literally adopted so many other kids. So like, even what Oprah said, you know, we have kids everywhere. I feel like Gigi's my child and, you know, just, she's just, there's amazing people in this world and we can honestly find our kids almost everywhere. And, you know, God has a plan for us. So we don't always know with the actual sometimes until the end, sometimes we get the message, but there's definitely a place for me. And I realized whether I have my own child, you know, delivering it, or if I um, have it, you know, through um, somebody else who's not able to raise that child, that I, I'm, I have the glory for doing that. And that's God's gift. So I am just um, really, really blessed. And I just, again, want to thank all the panelists and thank Gigi for inviting me and Melanie for hosting. You're always so elegant with everything. And I just love your presence. And um, it's, it's really, it's an honor to be here with everyone. So thank you for letting me be part of this. Thank you. Tanya. Thank you, Dr. Gold. I think what's amazing about your story is so many people can, can connect to this, right? If we're not mothers ourselves, I'm not a mother. And I think how important that is to say it's, it's, it's okay. Like your role, sometimes you don't know what that role is to give back to the world. And so as nurturers, we think it has to be a certain label. Uh, and so I appreciate you bringing that out. And it's really important that you just know that you are enough, right? And yeah. that God does have a purpose for you. So yeah, congratulations and good luck to you. Thank you. Appreciate you very much. Yeah. 
So I've talked about this um, hashtag wear orange and through resolve.org. This is a national advocacy for infertility awareness. And so advocacy day, there's a virtual event on June 17th of 2021. So registration closes on June 3rd, 2021 here just in about six weeks, but you can go to resolve.org right now and sign up for that virtual event. Renee Rumsey is our next panelist. She is an infertility warrior. She holds a master's degree in management and organizational behavior with an emphasis in healthcare management. She previously worked as an accounting manager until she was met with a diagnosis of infertility due to egg fragmentation. After going for, undergoing four rounds of IVF, she became pregnant with her miracle baby, who is now five years old. When she had her daughter, Renee became a stay-at-home mom and is passionate about educating others about infertility and helping women facing this diagnosis find peace in their longing for a child. Walking the journey of infertility is very lonely, and she wants to use her experience to provide women with a community that will give them resources and support that are needed to navigate their journey. Today, she has a Facebook community that you can find titled Journeying Through Infertility Together. It's an environment where women can see that they are never alone, be inspired to grab hold of the courage inside of them, and walk their journey in a way that is true to them. This will ultimately give them the peace. Welcome, Renee. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Well, um, looking at the definition of infertility, I feel like there is no definition. If you can look at all the speakers before me and myself, there's your definition. It could be the person sitting next to you, the pe person at the grocery store, um, as someone else said, it doesn't discriminate. So um, you can't just tell by looking at someone that they're experiencing infertility. Um, my story, like everyone else is a little bit different. Um, I got married later in life. So I was expecting, I guess, to have issues with infertility because I was almost 40. And um, when my husband and I saw an infertility specialist, um, I got all the hormone testing done and everything. And um, he said that um, actually like the test came back that I actually was younger than I really was. Like my hormones were good, my egg reserve was good and the IVF would be the best option because of our age. And he, in his opinion, it would go smooth. So I was like, okay, and it's you know very expensive. And someone else talked about the financial piece of it and not everybody can afford it. And not every state you know, mandates that insurance cover it. And I live somewhere where it's not mandated. My insurance did not cover it. So um, I decided to use my money out of my 401k um, to do the IVF procedure. And, was, it, and it is honestly like over $20,000 to do one round of it. And so we did that. And the first time I ended up with three embryos and they transferred two. And on my biggest story is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have twins because there's two embryos. And I had the pregnancy test and it showed that it was a positive pregnancy, but it was real faint. So it has to double every couple of days to be determined a true pregnancy. And the second blood test I have, it showed that it had dissolved. So it didn't, it didn't stay. 
Um, so I had one frozen embryo. We decided to transfer that one. That one uh, was a negative pregnancy. The third time we did IVF, um, I ended up with enough eggs, but um, when the process was over, we ended up with zero embryos. So we actually went in thinking we were getting a transfer and um, we were met with a discussion that we had none. So then the doctor sat us down and we had a discussion about what to do next. And his opinion was we should adopt because, or pursue that option because um, our money could be you know, it's kind of like if you put money towards adoption, you'll get something in return, IVF, you just don't know. And emotionally too, you know, it can be real taxing. So long story short, um, we did attend a seminar for the adoption route. And then we met with a social worker locally. And she said something to me that uh, made me help make the decision on what I want to do next. She said, if you have not fully given up um, wanting your own biological child that it's not fair to you or the child you want to adopt to do the adoption. And I thought, yep, that's where I'm at. And not that I thought adoption wasn't a good option. It just, it didn't feel right for me at that time. Um, so then my route, we went next actually was I did the donor A. You talked a little bit about um, the donor process and we did go that route. We used um, donor eggs and in that process, we ended up with one embryo. And this was our last chance. So um, we did the one embryo and I ended up with my five-year-old daughter, whose name we, is Embry from Embryo. We named her that. Um, so not to take up too much more time, um, my tips basically are, um, we hear so much about working about working on our core as far as our physical body because it links our core links to our upper body and lower body but also i'm we have to focus on our core values just as much so we need to strengthen our core values so that we can make the best decision that's possible for ourselves so i encourage women to uh, follow their intuition um, we know what we know but we don't know why but um, do what's right for you um, and a lot of people are talking longing to, into peace. And that's what my infertility group is, you know, helping women bring longing for a child to peace. And I even have my little journal here that I made that says peace on it. So it's kind of interesting. Um, but you can find me on Journeying Through Infertility Together Facebook community. And that's where I want to help women. And also I'm looking to start a foundation financially so I can help couples financially with their, their journey. But thank you so much for having me. I was excited to be part of this panel. Thank you so much for joining today, Renee. Uh, amazing. And really the Facebook journey um, and the group is so important for journeying through infertility together for those that are looking for resources. So thank you so much for creating that and continuing to, to provide hope uh, for uh, others. IVF surrogacy. We haven't talked about this a lot, but I wanted to just bring out some highlights. So in the past, women who were unable to carry a pregnancy successfully had repeated miscarriages or were unable to carry a pregnancy due to medical complications or maybe who had no uterus and were not able to be a parent. These special situations may prevent the woman from carrying a pregnancy but not prevent her from creating her family. So couples may use the third party 
uh, gestational surrogate to carry the fetus and achieve successful pregnancy. More specifically, surrogacy is a solution for women who have had a hysterectomy and do not have a uterus to carry the child, or have a uterus but cannot carry the child due to some uncorrectable anatomic issue. So it may put the mother in danger or danger to their health. So surrogacy using donor eggs is also the solution for men desiring a biological child. So the first step in the process in the IVF surrogacy is for the couple to choose a surrogate and complete the screening and legal processes involved. The eggs are harvested from the biological mother or obtained from an egg donor, fertilized in a laboratory with the male partner's sperm and then transferred into the surrogate. So amazing technology, again, when we think about all this starting in the 1980s, where it's come today, is truly amazing. And these panelists have educated us on their journeys in so many ways. Our final panelist today is Stacy Denberg. Stacy is the vice president and co-founder of the Two Degrees Foundation, a nonprofit organization dedicated to impacting stillbirth outcomes mm -hmm. in the state of New Jersey. And as a mother of a stillborn daughter, Stacy has felt the need to turn her tragedy into a purpose. Stacy and her, her, her husband Sean's firstborn daughter, Ryan Ava, was born sleeping on January 30th, 2014, at 37 weeks gestational age. Now, Stacy has become an advocate for maternal health, including infertility, maternal mental health, pregnancy and infant loss, pregnancy after loss, and parenting after loss. Over the past six years, Stacy has been invited to be a speaker at the RMA of New Jersey's series, The Doctor Is In, the Stillbirth Management Conference, through the Partnership of Maternal and Child Health of Northern New Jersey. And she's testified for the appropriate implementation of the Autumn Joy Stillbirth Research and Dignity Act in Trenton, New Jersey. Her stillbirth story has been featured in New York Fox's Five, Dr. Manny Alvarez's Ask Dr. Manny, his news blog, and in Hackensack Meridian Health Fuse magazine. Stacy is a certified special educator and studied behavioral psychology at Caldwell University. She's currently studying to become a certified bereavement and birthing doula. She also works part-time as an instructional facilitator and a teacher trainer at a specialized school for students with special needs. Most importantly, Stacy is the proud mother of two beautiful little girls, her rainbows, and she currently resides in New Jersey with her family. Welcome so much, Stacy. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much. Um, I greatly appreciate this opportunity to share my story with you tonight. Um, I think by sharing our stories, we can begin to really just shatter the stigma associated with infertility um, and bring a sense of normalcy to this conversations for families everywhere. Um, similar to, to Nikki, I always knew I wanted to be a mother from a very, very early age. Um, I love children and I even chose a career teaching children with special needs. <laughs> 
Um, people always told me that I was a natural <laughs> um, when interacting with children and I just envisioned a large family. Um, but I had no idea of the road that had faced me and the in achieving the goal of motherhood. Um, it was a path of struggle and loss, pain and anxiety, um, monitoring ovulation, an ectopic pregnancy, um, a removed fallopian tube, oral medications, injectable medications, pokes and prods, <laughs> um, IUIs, IVFs, breast transfers, frozen transfers, PGD, a whole lot of old wives tales and hormones. Oh, the hormones. <laughs> um, my body and emotions were just pushed to the limits. Um, my entire life was put on pause and it put strains on my marriage, um, my career, my relationships with friends and family, and even my faith. Um, but my journey with infertility was only just the beginning. <laughs> Um, after four years of treatments, I finally became pregnant. Um, it was the best 37 weeks of my life. I absolutely loved being pregnant. Um, I felt that all the dues that I had paid to the fertility gods were paying off. Um, unfortunately, on January 30th, 2014, at nine months pregnant, um, at a routine ultrasound, um, my doctor told me that my baby no longer had a heartbeat. And later that evening, um, I delivered the most beautiful sleeping angel, um, my daughter, Ryan Ava. Um, my, my world was just completely completely turned upside down. Um, I didn't wanna live without my daughter. Um, I fell into a really deep, dark depression and I had terrible anxiety, panic attacks, and I um, actually became partially agoraphobic. Um, thankfully, I, I knew I needed help and with the support of my loved ones um, and an amazing mental health care team, um, I slowly uh, climbed out of that dark hole. It didn't take overnight, <laughs> um, but I purpose, I began to find some purpose in um, my struggles. Um, I immersed myself in, in research and I leaned on other women who had experienced the devastation of pregnancy and infant loss. Um, alongside another lost mom, I co-founded a nonprofit organization called the Two Degrees Foundation, um, dedicated to impacting stillbirth outcomes in the state of New Jersey. And since then, our organization has successfully changed laws and legislation. Um, we've raised a much needed stillbirth awareness and have touched the life of many New Jersey families. Um, I, have, I have found hope and strength in helping women like me. Um, and by sharing my story, I get to give a voice to thousands of women um, who have suffered a stillbirth and they suffer in silence. Um, becoming a maternal health parent advocate has given my daughter's short life a greater purpose. Um, and like you had mentioned, I, I even became, I even began training as a bereavement doula. <laughs> um, 
Um, and with this newfound courage, um, I decided to once again, continue my fertility treatments in hopes of achieving my goals of becoming a mom. And almost exactly two years to the day of after losing my sweet Ryan, I gave birth to my rainbow, Skylar Ray. She was born on January 29th, 2016, thanks to my remarkable fertility doctors and amazing advances in science. Um, in the pregnancy and infant loss community, um, we talk about a rainbow. Um, and a rainbow baby is a baby born following a miscarriage stillbirth, uh, neonatal loss, or infant loss. Um, and I'm just going to read you something because I feel it's so profound. Um, it is understood that the beauty of a rainbow does not negate uh, or the ravage of the storm. When the rainbow appears, it does not mean that the storm never happened or that we are not still dealing with the aftermath. It means that something beautiful and full of light has appeared in the midst of the darkness and clouds. Clouds may still hover, but the rainbow provides a counterbalance of color, hope, and energy. Um, but my motherhood journey didn't end there. <laughs> Uh, in 2017, I was blessed with a complete and unexpected miracle. <laughs> uh, hand selected by her angel sister, uh, Tegan Lane entered our world by natural means, even with one fallopian tube. <laughs> um, a story that I had once heard but never believed it would happen to me. Um, I really hope that my story and everyone's stories here um, have brought some hope to those who are going through infertility and pregnancy and infant loss. Um, know that without darkness, light can't be seen. Please, please, I beg all of you to be kind to yourself and attempt to find peace in whatever life throws at you. Again, thank you so much for this opportunity. I love to be able to share my story with anybody and everybody who will listen. So um, thank you again. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you so much, Stacy. Wow, every time I see a rainbow, I'm gonna think of you now. <laughs> thank you for reminding us. This is a great, great story and we appreciate you so much sharing that today. Look for the rainbows in your life. Without darkness, light can't be seen. Thank you. So this event wouldn't be possible without some of our amazing sponsors. And today we have our next sponsor to celebrate, which is Ragni Sinikas. Ragni is the founder of the World Women Conference and Awards, otherwise known as WWCA, the Women Entrepreneurs TV, Changemakers Coach, and Public Speaker. Welcome so much, Ragni, and thank you for being here and supporting this event today. Oh my God, I'm speechless about, obviously I, I have uh, heard, uh, or I was listening, taking notes uh, of every single uh, speaker, but Stacy, just uh, the strength, uh, the, the persistency and, uh, and really, really showing what the faith means. Um, I'm speechless. I, I usually, <laughs> I, this is uh, very hard for me to, to take me to the, to, to the place that I'm speechless, but I am. And um, I was trying, I, I prepared something for, for today and um, 
and now it seems so inappropriate. So uh, I just go with the flow. And um, I think the most important part of uh, of being human being is, and and especially when we are facing those circumstances that uh, whether it's infertility, whether it's uh, whether it's something physic physical, we we heard so many complications also with our health is that. Uh, we truly need to uh, pay attention to self-care because most of those, those let's say the root uh, causes of, of those things are there. And maybe we haven't really in our society paid so much attention to it and their awareness is not there. And when we are able to, to raise the awareness, we are able to make better decisions. And when we are able to make better decisions, we are going to get better results. And that's also, I think, the conclusion for today's panel. Because every single person who has gone through those stories, those experiences, now gave some tools, raised awareness, told their part of the story how someone who maybe has been considering something and now it's like oh my god i never thought that this could be a problem or this could be an option or this could be we don't know how many aha moments we had today because we were able to raise the awareness and gigi melanie akisha beautiful job as always i just love those panels and uh I would not be anyone else, anywhere else. I love my Friday evenings with you guys. And, uh, and truly, uh, congratulations. And congratulations to every speaker, because by speaking up, you did. You did a great job. I saw that it wasn't the easy job. As a speaker myself, I could learn the, or, or read your body language. And I know that. Uh, that one, one thing is, is that it's so raw. And even if there's time passed, it just comes back and you, you can sometimes even feel the pain still there, which is not released. So, uh, so incredible, encouraging. And uh, thank you for sharing your story today. And those stories to have the power to change someone else's life. Thank you, Ragni. Thank you so much, Ragni. The power in these stories is incredible. The power in these stories is incredible. Look for those rainbows, right? Um, remember, if you have just joined us in the middle of this, Sunday, April the 18th begins the National Infertility Awareness Week. It is the week to raise our voices, talk about these issues facing this entire community and make sure we continue to support one another think the lessons that we've learned here is to really pay attention to what we say, be compassionate to those around us, because our journey is unique. And we can also add value to those just because they may not look the same as us, we need to remember to meet everyone where they are. Our next um, host today uh, was uh, doing all of these things for these events. Lakeisha James, you've been amazing on the back end here, helping us coordinate all the panelists and the speakers. So uh, I'd like to give you some time just to share your thoughts about this panel today. All I can say is, wow. Um, 
I just applaud everyone for sharing their story. Um, me, I had a stillbirth in 2015, so I know what it's like to lose a child. And as you tell your story, you're still healing because there are different levels of healing. So I commend all of you for sharing your story. Um, applaud, like I said, your courage. And we're here to support you. Um, I hope this is not the last time we see each other and hear your story. Definitely, like we said, WWCA, your voice is your superpower. Someone needs to hear your story. And like I always say, everyone has a story. What's yours? Because every story can impact. It doesn't matter if you touch one person. That one person needs to hear your story. So I definitely commend each and every one of you for your courage and sharing your story today. Thank you, Lakeisha. Gigi? Yes, I want to say thank you to all of our speakers today and our sponsors. I truly appreciate each of you. Today, we learned a lot from all of our speakers in regards to infertility and what it truly is. And really, their stories are someone else's hope. I mean, we've heard from several of the panelists today that they're not giving up. They've been told you cannot conceive, you cannot have a child. They are not giving up. They are continuing to keep trying. And some of them have been able to have a child or they found an alternative they've adopted. I mean, that is truly inspiring. The courage you all have, the strength you have to keep moving forward no matter what. And here you are today educating others about infertility and not to give up so powerful. I appreciate each of you. And I come before you today to share the story of my mother. Her, she is also an infertility survivor. I would not be here today if she didn't keep going as well. And I, I'm here to tell you all, I'm with you. I support you alongside our sponsors here today. We appreciate you and thank you all for being here today. Thank you so much. It is powerful, right? Um, we would like to close this with a prayer uh, just for all of you that have gone through, that are supporting, that are also surviving as warriors in this battle um, because the world is a better place because of you. So whatever God has designed you for your purpose, as, uh, as the founder of Everyday Leaders, this is my motto. I say mm -hmm. every day we have the choice to be a leader of our own life. So um, stop feeling like people are judging you because you're not, you're not perfect in their eyes um, because God's the only one that matters. So uh, thank you so much for all of you that are joining tonight. And Lakeisha, if you would please mm -hmm. say a prayer for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for us today, Father. We thank you for the ones that stepped in and shared their story. We thank you for the purpose. You know, we may not be here to birth children, but like a speaker said earlier, we're here to birth other things, other possibilities, other businesses, you know, just to give back to the community with other people. Father, we just thank you right now for the strength and the courage of these people that went through the infertility because, you know, this is another topic that people don't want to talk about. But we talked about it today, Father, and we thank you right now for being with us, Father. We thank you. You said with two or more come together you are in the midst father we just lean on you and we cast all our cares upon you on today father and we thank you for the healing because sharing stories is healing father and we thank you father for what you're doing we give you all the honor the praise and the glory in jesus name amen amen thank you all for being here today and this event has ended i appreciate you and have a blessed day